This is Matthew Connery. Corey Thistlewood. Jeremy Sitnik. And this is Times Before Can Be Forgotten, a conversation show about all the shit they got wrong. Uh, Before we give this to uh, everyone's favorite podcaster, Jeremy Sitnik, I want to just kind of talk for a moment about the genesis of what we wanted to talk about today. You know, we, um, we all heard a lot of stuff when we were growing up about what we could expect as adults. And uh, the three of us really gathered here today to uh, take inventory of all the shit they got wrong because there's quite a bit of it. And uh, just from my own experience as, as a parent, which, you know, I didn't really give a lot of thought to becoming a parent before I became a parent, uh, but it becomes fun when you start to have a child that is at an age that you can remember being. And I remember being a kid and really loved any time a grown-up talked about all of the bullshit out there, the parents that are full of shit, teachers that are full of shit, government that's full of shit. And as a kid, you eat that stuff up. And, uh, it's gospel. It is gospel. And it's a fun moment when you realize, well, I can pull back the curtain and let my, my own kid in on the other side. I remember the first time it happened. You remember being a kid and, and they said to you, hey, there's no such thing as a bad question. And Corey, I can picture you doing this. You raised your hand and you asked a really stupid question. And you got ridiculed by everyone around you. And even the person who told you there was no bad <laughs> question went, you know what? Actually, there is a bad question. Mrs. Fitz. Mrs. Fitz. That was, yes. Yeah. That is a fallacy. Don't ever believe there's no such thing as a bad question. You are going to be judged on your questions. Yeah. And uh, and I taught my kid that because I think that it that's just one of those things. I remember it happening to me at jobs in the past. And, hey, no, you're, you're brand new. Ask anything. It's bullshit. And, uh, Jeremy, do you remember the genesis of us wanting to talk about this? Do you remember what you sent me? Mm. It must have been a meme it of was some a, sort. It was a meme of some sort involving uh, the Goodfellas. That famous picture in Goodfellas, they're all standing around, they're laughing. Oh, vaguely. And we were talking about, or they were talking about, calculators. Oh, that's right. And that's... Uh, Here I am looking at my calculator to bring it up. <laughs> but that's, that's one of the things that they got wrong. They, they said, hey, you gotta, you got to know how to do your math because you're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. Bullshit. Bullshit. Do your math in cursive. <laughs> uh you know, I wanted to talk about college uh, with the two of you, what your relationship was, because certainly that was something that we heard growing up and looking back on it now. You know, another thing is I, you know, I've got a 12 year old. I think college is ridiculous unless you have a specialty thing that you really want to be that involves college. The idea of just going for the sake of going. But in our parents defense, they didn't know any better. They grew up in the 50s and that was that was a path towards Stability and success. You just summed up my whole discussion for the day, I think, with that statement. I'll circle back to the 50s and the 60s, I'm sure, and how when I started taking an inventory on some of this stuff, the more I inventoried it, the more I forgave them for certain things that they didn't need to be forgiven for. Mm. And that was kind of my growth point in it. You know, that's when I kind of started to figure out that they're all wrong. Yep. Everything they taught me was wrong. <laughs> yep. And everything that was taught to them was wrong. And most of the stuff I'm probably teaching is wrong just by not teaching it, which is getting back to what you were saying. Right. Just opening that door for the kid. Well, as 
if our times change, you know, we can only teach to what we know in our time. If we're preparing our kid for a time that is going to be different, then we're all kind of set up to, to fail in that regard. So I don't know if there's a certain broad-mindedness that we can try to teach kids or what it is. We should mention where we are here because we, uh, we don't have any shotguns. No, in the in background, the, we're in the shadow of greatness. We are, tell us more. Uh, we're just up the road from uh, that fickle pink beast, the house. <laughs> um, well, there was one shotgun. <laughs> there we go. It is duck hunting season still, but uh, we're just uh, sitting by the bridge. Uh, last time we were on Newman Road at uh, Matt and Corey's bridge, and I thought it might be a good chance to not introduce them to my bridge. But if I ever were to have a bridge, this is probably it. Because I traveled back and forth over this for my first 32 years living here. And then multiple times every week since. Yeah, you come out here, you fish from time to time, I I've do. heard. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and we're just in the marsh looking out over the refuge, the uh, Plum Island River, uh, Pine Island. Nice spot. Plumbush. A little noisy. Not too bad, though. Well, Corey can't take his eyes off the pink house. No, it's fabulous. <laughs> I can almost taste the asbestos. We are, we're, we're like podcasting's answer to, uh, to trolls as we just go to our favorite bridges and podcast <laughs> uh, at, at or under them. Uh, you know, b- back to the sub- subject at hand. Um, Jeremy, I can remember now, you mean your dad taught college for uh, for a lot of years as i recall i believe i had him three times myself yeah and i can remember you know i've known you since kindergarten yep and i can actively remember being in class with you as early as second grade mrs rigadieva yep. woodbridge yep. and i'll say it now you know and they'll look anyone that's listening to this pod especially if you you know us in a context away from friendship there's a certain amount of i think artistic license that we will bring into these pods that uh, you know, we don't necessarily want to be held accountable for every word that we utter. I know that when I get to some of the reading, that these are not always biographical stories. I was talking about uh, hiding out from work. Did that really happen? Was that this job? Was that another job? Who knows? Again, I think there are certain freedoms that we can take in these pods. But you were the smart kid in class. That's that's I- ironic. <laughs> but that's how I remember you. That you you were you were the smartest kid in class over and over and over again. And when you get to know someone through that framework, and I'm sitting in your dad's classroom in college, going, "Sidnick, you've you've got to come, you've got to come to school with me." And I imagine that was probably more about companionship than me looking out for your scholastic well-being. I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. that this was yeah. selfishness on my part. <laughs> he kind of went to school with me instead. We did the we, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it, yeah. it, uh, it ended. Was it, it ended. Fall of '96 <laughs> or fall of '97 or. Yes. Yeah, 96. Yeah. That sounds right. The yeah. 97 seems like I didn't think yeah. you'd hang in there that long. Yeah. We made it about half. Yeah, I majored in semester. I majored in ping pong. Okay. And egg, lunch. Sal- egg salad sandwiches. Egg salad sandwiches. <laughs> Those were off the hook. Yeah. Uh, what else? Did you have, as you think about that period of time in your life, did you have. Did you know you were fumbling? Did you think you were supposed to do this? Did you think, okay, I'm going to yeah. do this, and this is going to be a path somewhere? Yeah, you Still were supposed do. to do it, yeah. right? Yeah, just go. Well, it was more of give it a shot, yep. right? Because uh, I started working right out of high school, basically. I was at a graduation party in Rowley, and 
literally the day at, I think, graduation night. And uh, someone offered me a job painting houses for the summer. And that was it. I'm like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing. Wow. So I just went and started painting houses. So I literally started working probably as soon as I got out of high school. Yeah. With some breaks in between. Sure. But, um, yeah, you, you weren't know, slapping to, money into your 401k that following yeah. week. But once you get to, you know, two years in the workforce and see everybody at college, you know, chugging ahead, you know, getting somewhere with the degrees and stuff like that, you kind of feel like, eh, maybe I didn't make the greatest choice. Well, but the problem with looking at it at that point, too, is the illusion that they were going somewhere. You see somebody with two, three years of school, especially at a good school, under their belt, they've got plans, they're going to be a this uh, which was, I remember my first real job, I was working for the phone company in 2000, and uh, it was a broken dream factory, because everybody was going to be uh, a something, and they just ended up at the phone company, they had a great tuition assistance policy, and like that one was going to be a teacher, and that one was going to be a lawyer, but they were all just schlepping color ID boxes, and they're still there, and, uh, but that, you don't see that in, when it's 96, like right. I said, and somebody's got two or three years under your belt. What about you, Corey? No, I um I went to community college with the hopes of being a marine biologist. That's not really a hundred percent true. I wanted to play with dolphins as, for a living, and um, I came out of the gate pretty weakly. Okay, and just kind of never even made it to the finish line in college, and did the same thing. I just started working. Yep, and working and working and working and working, and uh, it just seemed like that was it at that point well going back to what you said about kind of where we forgive our parents and where we don't one thing that i think was pretty clear for our generation was that the 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 education the college part gets you the job part so if you land the job part that you're comfortable with you start looking at college and going well there's not a lot of point here i i have the ability to go out and work already so what's the gain to uh to continue to throw money away on school and i think that's where a lot of my trappings were uh, and, and in some ways my situation ended up getting reversed because I kept going to school and I in fact left that phone company job to pursue more school which was the opposite of what my parents taught me and it was really a, a pretty big rift for us because you don't leave the job to go to school you leave school to get the job yep. uh, but yeah these are some of the, the bigger picture ones uh, any other little things that come to mind about things that we were taught when we were little that were provably untrue by the time we got there? It's probably a pretty long list, but... It, it really is. It's tough to even sort through it because it really... Times are so different. What was I taught then that I can really use now? Mm. And what was I taught then that I could even use then? Right. I mean, besides... You know, it, it always felt just like kind of just stay in line, mm-hmm. stay behind the person in front of you and in front of the person behind you, and just keep moving along, you know, and, and don't be stagnant anyway. But I was never asked really this way or another, what do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And I think I brought a lot of that stuff on myself by being that guy in high school. I didn't have a lot of guidance on the home front as far as professionally and I took that into being kind of a 
you know, a little wise ass in school, which doesn't get you a lot of attention from the guidance counselor. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Just take it back to the meme of the guy driving to work at 4 a.m. saying that I get to do this because I thought it to be funny in high school. God, thank goodness, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that is that's really, mm-hmm. you know, you you get what you pay for. Right. <laughs> you know, and well, going back to what we were taught, you know, what one thing that I don't think we were taught, I don't know if this applies to all all of us and our our parents or schools, I don't think we're taught to critically think. And I think that's kind of part of the problem. If you teach people to be good thinkers and problem solvers and kind of be good stewards of their own individuality through life, then you don't have to worry about teaching them for this scenario or or that scenario as though there's one path to future happiness. But that's kind of not what the previous generation did. I think, again, they can kind of be forgiven for that in a lot of respects, although I'm going to read something in a minute that's going to seem anything less than forgiving. That's uh, back to maybe the artistic license part of this, or at least the fact that there's a duality to it, that, you know, there are some times that you can really understand where your parents went wrong, and sometimes it's like, fuck, really? That was, that's what they limped to the barn with there, huh? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that caused a lot of resentment from me in my early life towards my parents, who I now get along with great. Right. I didn't for a long time, and that wasn't them. That was me. That was me figuring out kind of what was lacking and, you know, trying to figure out if what was lacking in me came from what was lacking in what they gave me. And I think that's kind of the point of it. Right. And, uh, you know, don't want to just say suck it up, but, you know we all have choices to make right at the end of the day and uh you know it's sometimes it's harder to get to that point where you feel like you're actually doing something for yourself or society and i owe a lot of my successes to their failures mm-hmm. i guess at this point so i mean that's that's what i took from it right and that's great I think I owe a lot of my own successes to my failures along the way. Jeremy, not to put you on the spot, but we are podcasting here, so you probably knew there was a question coming your way. This is being about your dad. Do you have any sense of, like, his impression of education and what it means now compared to, like, 70s he started his career as a teacher? Teaching at at Northern Essex in the 70s, yeah. He taught uh, grad school at K-State. Um, nice bowl win. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yep. the pop tart bowl. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, he was part of that. You know, through those times, we're kind of talking about of you know it. It has to happen. You have to go to school. Um, this pro. I I don't think I've ever really asked him about you know what he thinks about it now. But right. if I had to venture a guess, because he's changed his stances over the years haven't Uh, we all yeah um you know he'd probably agree you know when i went into a trade that was kind of the trade-off yeah um no school you got to do something right so i and i even told myself i felt a lot better about getting into a trade um you know even back in 94 or 95 would have been the beginning of 95 that i started working in a machine shop um but yeah, I'm not sure about his thoughts, again, but, you know, it's definitely the way to go now in my right. eyes. I couldn't agree more, and, you know, I've got a fair amount of education. My wife, speaking of bowl games, she's got she's got Penn State in about two hours. Uh, I think they're playing Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, between she and I, we've got a lot of education, and granted, Joe's 12, but trade, like thinking trades all the way for him unless he has again that 
real academic pursuit. I want a professional degree to go be a this, and the only path there is that certain level of education. And I don't think that's really what's going to drive him. Ease of accessibility of information these days is just mind blowing. Right. I mean, as a young kid, you you can do anything, literally, right now. I mean, we could have done anything too. There were handcuffs on us for certain things. Yeah, there are stages in our lives that our dreams were narrowed down, like swimming with the dolphins at North Shore Community College. Yeah. That was a tough place. It didn't happen. No. If you said even. that now, they'd have to let you do that. That's true. I mean, they couldn't tell you you couldn't swim with dolphins. No, that's true. It would they, be. Well. They would hurt your are they, feelings. Are they open today? Yeah, well, that's what I, I was saying. 2024 just got a lot brighter for me. So, <laughs> on another note, I, we picked a pretty good day to do a podcast because I think out of all the podcasts out there, there's probably not a lot of people doing them today on 12, 30, 23. We may have just avoided the crowds by not doing one on one two three one two three that's uh, all right all right just wanted to get well that I, in there right? I appreciate that we a sense of numbers uh speaking speaking of numbers uh so this is this is a, a little angry but uh i know that this was part of my own journey of uh, of kind of figuring this stuff out of, of what they got wrong and this started with actually a, another friend who may join us on uh, on a future podcast uh, just kind of talking about the, the tools that we had growing up. And uh, what I'm about to read, this was verse 404. I wrote this back in May and thought it dovetailed with our discussion a little bit here. And uh, I'll share it with you now. Uh, I had no support or guidance, but at least I was promised more than a tie tack. I'm angry. But not rationalizing why I'm an alcoholic or incarcerated for crimes catalyzed by a traumatic childhood. My mom and dad are catching some strays in this verse. I don't believe I've written about them beyond processing my dad's death. I write about childhood all the time, but always with nostalgia-lust romance, not a critical review of my parents. I barely remember them, our interactions and pastimes. It's because of this normalized nonchalance that I failed to notice my lifetime of floundering and underachievement might have been partially or entirely avoided if I'd received guidance or support in the years I needed it. I've spent a quarter century beating myself up, absorbing all the blame, but now I'm seeing things differently. Before now, the parental report card markings were for subjects like stability, A-, love, C, vitality, D, comfort, B+, and security, A-. My parents kept me alive, fed me, and minimized turbulence. I felt safe, cared for. It was beyond my purview to consider more was even required. I believe they had a responsibility to get me to age 18, and the rest was on me. I believe this, of course, because that's what they taught me. You're free, white, and 21, my dad began saying when I was 18. This was meant to liberate me as being beholden to no one, although the phrase dates back to the 60s when it first appeared in a film about a black man raping a white woman, but I digress. There's a common hard-nosed philosophy professing that this is all a parent owes their child. It's sound, I understand it, and believed it so well that I never considered any alternatives. Even when I was largely disowned by my parents throughout my 20s and into my 30s, I blamed myself. My father ridiculed me for attending Harvard. 
It lowered my worth in his estimation. I toyed with the only job that they ever approved of, Bell Atlantic. I lasted less than five years there and took a pair of nine-month leaves of absence. I dated a Jew for many years. All my jeans had holes. I bought them that way. They yelled at me for this when I was in my 30s. I never asked them for anything and they never offered. I made ends meet, barely. Money that might have seeded a well-timed retirement plan was spent traveling instead. They were unimpressed. But I always understood their values and I understood how I consciously chose not to honor what they valued. So I was to blame. When I was a junior in high school, my parents took me one weeknight to meet an Indian man in his home. While my parents sat in another room, Mr. Patel pitched me the idea of being a rocket scientist. I laughed. This was meant to put me at ease, I suppose. He suggested that pursuing math and science in college would allow for a great career, and he could even dig up some scholarship money uh, to help me along. At Boston University, the school I liked best, he could find something special money-wise as long as I honored my end by studying what he asked. There's a lot of money in those fields, and isn't it the point of college after all? And so an insecure boy of words and trumpet notes headed to his promised Boston to crash and motherfucking burn in one pathetic fucking semester because he was woefully, hilariously unprepared to be an engineering major at a great engineering school. I was instantly behind, sitting with kids on the first day of class who already knew C++ and were lazily reviewing calculus that I was seeing for the first time. But, and this is important, my parents never paid one cent for my college. So I took a leave of absence, never returned, and paid my way at community college because it was all I could afford. I was lost. Not only did they do nothing, they wouldn't acknowledge I needed and deserved both support and guidance. I think this is partially because they had no values beyond an appreciation of money that came to them too easily. Their shortfall rerouted my life, and I only just noticed where I am versus where I could have been. Too many lazy boomers with Bud Light lips barked at us to get the job, buy the house, chase pension promise gambling chits against the student loan crush, a rigged lottery and fantasy snake draft. We worked and studied. We dated majors, made stillborn mentors from demotivated and unmemorable professors. Reducing ourselves to what, I, what do I want to be when I grow up playpen retards, we financed our indecision on smack mastercards, accruing lateral moves and retreating into friendships, sharing our failures and disenfranchisement. They had no ideas. With contempt, my mistakes and indecision during those critical years was met with five words from my father. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. That's all he had until I called his bluff one day. And he swerved first. Otherwise, I'd have gone into the Air Force and be even more fucked up now. I regret my long-lost youth that was neutralized in the moment by their disappointment, atrophied directives, and the consequences of their generation's overindulgence. HIV. Just say no. 
and the moribund morals marketed on Sundays, after school, and just before bedtime. My father may have left me more than a tie tack, but my mother is still Venmoing it all away in online confidence scams with her right, da- with her right hand down her hefty undies. Fuck her. Axl Rose and Madonna raised me after all. Now I'm turning the page, looking ahead, conscious of two things. First, I'm eyeing where I want to be. The place I could have been if I had been guided or supported when it mattered. Second, I'm breaking the cycle with my son, ensuring no blind spots keep me from supporting and guiding whoever he fucking wants to be. So I remember when I wrote that back in May and and I sent it out to the people that read the verses and said, you know, I think your parents caught more than uh, strays in uh, in that piece, which I suppose is fair and might not be a, a balanced piece about it's like a Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. It, it was it was tough. <laughs> it was tough, and not uh, quite that bad. well, I just want to say a belated Merry Christmas to my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for everything. <laughs> uh, but it's true. She's uh, she's sending lots of money, uh, lots of money to it. I think a Swedish national that's incarcerated in Turkey. Thank God. So some sort of story like that. Tough to, tough to respect that, but could've, you know. Could have brought it full circle with Mr. Patel. <laughs> that's true. Well, I don't. You I don't, never know. You never know. I don't have a name yet. <clears throat> so I, you know, even I think trying to grasp there to even say I don't, I don't have like I have not learned out of all of this anything that is going to make me a better parent. Other than, uh, again, that kind of guidance and support and realizing that I don't think I ever really had it. But, you know, to be fair, which my writing always isn't, I think they did the best that they, they could at the time. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm honing in on those two words for either of the two of you. Guidance and support. Did you have it? I always had the support. Um, the guidance, I wouldn't have listened anyway. Okay. So it, that really didn't matter. Um, and by support, it was usually catch me after I've fallen horribly. Okay. Which they've always been there for. And that's, uh, you know, based upon a lot of bad decision making and all kinds of different things right. along the way. And um, whether or not they were responsible for that, I'll never know. Yeah. Because even today, I Fortunately, I know everything. <laughs> and back then, I also knew everything. But um, today's everything includes knowing that I'm, you know, it's it's today's everything, which is a little less than yesterday. And right. they asked me to pull a name out of the air. Who was that guy? <laughs> Don't know. You know, everything's a little less than these days. You know, guidance and support. I think I went to the walkers for that. Whatever I needed that, oh. headed over to the walkers. You get your guidance and support there. Didn't always find it on Boston Road. And the best venison stuffed peppers I've ever had <laughs> in my life. How about at uh, 48th Street? Oh, yeah. I had plenty of guidance and support. I was just too much of a little pain in the ass to take <laughs> care, take heed of it, or, uh, you know, kind of rebellious, I guess, to a point. But, uh, yeah, plenty of that, both of my parents. Um, and to this day, they still, you know, they're still always there with yeah, words of encouragement. Yeah, or, you know, I feel lucky. Yeah, I, you know, and I, a, a lot of this, of course, is always going to be looking at ourselves in the mirror, and uh, there's, there's a fair amount there. 
uh, going back to the education piece, despite hard words that I have, I look back on my own education as, uh, while not something I regret, worthless. Pretty much worthless. I'm not really sure that it contributed anything and certainly has nothing to do. I mean, it got to the point where, for me professionally, off the resume. Like, don't even put it there. Don't. It's a secret to, to, to make sure people don't find out. Because if I'm not working in a world where it's relevant, so if you... If you've got a lot of education in a world you don't need it, nobody goes, oh, that's that's great. Or they go, oh, fucking ass. Like, they will make up their mind in advance that you're a piece of shit because of where you might have happened to go or what you studied. Yeah, I just read something yesterday that uh, major- majority of companies coming up this year are going to stop uh, asking for bachelor's degrees in their job descriptions. Really? Yep. Albeit, will probably be preferred. Yep. But, yeah, no longer going to be a requirement, which is pretty crazy if you think about it because, I mean, here we are staring at the refuge. You had to have a bachelor's degree to work at maintenance at the refuge. It's crazy. Think about that. That's absurd. Yeah. But so so limited, and again, we're back to the critical thinking piece. So limited was everybody's thinking that even when it was provably untrue that that made any kind of sense, we still did it for decades and made that connection between higher education and whatever it is that you wanted to do, even when it stopped making any sense at all. That's true. All right, well, I think we've solved uh, all of the world's problems, at least for uh, for another week or two. We're gonna, I feel better. I I, I feel the same. Um, it's been a big year for this podcast. It has. It has. It really has. Um, bridges have been the theme this year. Where are we going? Probably going to expand on that next year. Maybe try and get away from the troll mindset that we've all... <laughs> yeah, maybe a warm room. <laughs> that's, good, that's a good idea with our uh, highly sensitive podcasting equipment that has been capturing all the noise going over the bridge. Yeah, I still different. have some good ideas for locations, which I you know, plan on surprising you two with. And I hope you'll continue to let me do that. Absolutely. Um, I kind of take a little joy in picking out the spot we go to, and okay. I have some really good ones in mind. Um, so wear th- some boots. I was going to say, I think you and can then, count out the uh, the warm uh, environment, Corey. Damn it. I mean, that's fine. All right. Well, for times before can be forgotten, we have... Jeremy Sitnik. Corey Thistle. And I am Matthew Connery. We will see you again next time.